welcome to the Halloween podcast of CGM. And it's, what is it, number 80. Wow, 80. Yep. I thought last week was 80, so I'm starting to think that we did some sort of time shift paradox thing. That must be it. There's no I other explanation. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it is Halloween, and we are recording on Halloween, so maybe that's why. That explains everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. does. Like mm-hmm. this ghostly person standing next to me. Mm-hmm. And on my other side is Alex. Yep, it's me. I'm still here. Just as nothing for Halloween. Mountain well, Man Alex. That's totally a costume. I'm, as I always am, coming straight out of the woods on my bear. What's your bear's name? Uh, ben. Ben? His bear's name is Ben. That makes sense. <laughs> Just like in Grizzly Adams. Okay. It's like that bear's name was Ben. It's we just named your bear for you. Yes, he named my bear Ben. Ben, ben has some words to say about that. Yeah. Oh, okay, I can see that. And next to him is Phil, mm-hmm. our everlasting movie critic. I try. You try? Good. He's everlasting. Mm-hmm. What does that mm-hmm. even mean? It means he's everlasting. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a immortal. <laughs> and down at the end of the table is Brendan. How goes? No one else, No one... Okay, that's sad. No one in this office dressed for Halloween. Uh, I already did all my Halloween stuff last weekend. No, Phil, Phil did. Yeah. Yeah. I did what Halloween stuff last weekend, too. Weekend. I mean, was the, today, when the Halloween on the day happened. of. Ah, it's for children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to run out and buy a bunch of candy. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's what adults like do. A, like a grown-up, yeah. yeah adults yeah. buy their own candy. They don't yeah. need trick-or-treat. That's right. Oh, I see. Wayne, what are you doing this fine Hallow's Eve? Probably work. And Wayne will I be will, working. I will probably just have to go home and do some work. Yeah. Eating a bunch of people at this table. Yeah, yeah. All right, Makes so sense. let's get into it with news. And Phil, I expect to see some leftover candy come in next week. Nope. <laughs> you're like, nope, it's mine. <laughs> I tried, right? If you have leftover candy, you're doing it wrong. You didn't share any of your candy today. Why am so I going to bring this candy? to me. So Irrelevant. Huh. Huh. I believe I shared my Dunkaroos with you not you too did. long no, ago. You did. No, yeah, you did. Melanie's you did. nice like that. Oh, she corner. shares Dunkaroos. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm an adult who eats, still eats Dunkaroos. Halloween is not about nice. Halloween is about being selfish and greedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. All right, so we're going to start off with some news. And I believe Wayne had one piece of news for us today. Oh, is it the, like the big bomb this week? The, the, the big freaking gaming bomb that nobody can stop yep. talking about, at least if you're a fanboy. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so, yeah, with, it's, it's basically Resolution Wars. This mm-hmm. is what it's come down to. It's like, I don't, I don't know, like, whether you guys were following or not, but basically, first, um, Battlefield 4 lumbered onto the scene, mm-hmm. and um, the guys took their digital magnifying glasses to it, and it turned out that the Xbox One version of Battlefield 4 is at 720p, mm-hmm. and the PS4 version is at 900 which is still a weird number. Which yeah, is still a weird number, but yeah, they, they couldn't quite get it up to 1080. But you know, so that already had people going like, you know, aha, okay. So you know, it's like it looks like the PS4 is a little bit better. Then, mm. uh, just a couple of days later, Activision, for whatever reason, just abandoned any sort of neutrality, and they said, yeah, so here it is officially: Call of Duty Ghosts, 720p on the Xbox One, 1080p on the PS4. <laughs> <laughs> so now, wow. every, so so now everybody is pretty much like, okay, it's concerned, it's confirmed. Microsoft kept telling us over and over again that there's really not much power differential between the two consoles. Mm. Sony kept telling us, no, there is actually a measurable, significant power differential between the two consoles, mm. and this is now being borne out by the two biggest shooters of the year. Both have higher resolution, better textures, blah blah blah, mm. on the PS4 compared to the Xbox. But that was one. true even in the last generation. 
wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Um, I thought that uh, I, I thought that games like Uncharted. I know they weren't okay, eight, well, yeah, 1080, so now, but they had a higher resolution. Yeah, now, than, now, now you're talking exclusives. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, whereas in the previous generation, because the PS4 or because the PS3 yeah. was always a trickier console to program for, mm. you know, unless you were a dedicated first-party studio like what Sony's got, mm. the third-party guys usually actually had an easier time programming for the 360. Right. So the 360 versions usually ended up having the sharper textures, the higher frame rates, and all that stuff because they couldn't be bothered to like you know really optimize for the you know um, cell processor on the PS3. They were mm. just like it's too hard, it's too exotic, and we have to ship this game out on time. So you know what, we're not going to bother. Right. Consequently, third-party games they were always better on the 360 than they were on the PS3. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden it's like you know with the two consoles launching at like you know the middle of the month, mm-hmm. you re- you've suddenly got this reverse situation where it's like yeah, two big shooters are actually performing technically better, measurably technically better on the PS4 compared to the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And the fanboys are up in arms. It's like, if you are a hardcore Microsoft fanboy, for example, there's like a lot of damage control going on where mm-hmm. some of these people are saying, well, it's not about graphics anyway, it's all about gameplay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, meanwhile, you've got the PS4 guys who are going, well, now you know what it was like to be on the receiving end of all of the PS3 insults mm-hmm. that you were hurling at us, so we're going to hurl them right back at you. So yeah. they're being pretty petty about it. Yeah, well, I don't like it. I, I've always disliked Microsoft anyway, so I'm actually quite <laughs> thrilled. I'm actually quite thrilled wow, about that. Wow, he just said that. Yeah. So. Well, I don't care. Okay. I don't own an Xbox. <laughs> they, they can't shut me out. I'm not going to buy one of the new ones. See, what, what's, what's interesting to me about all this is that, you know, it's like quite a few months ago, um, you know, Edge magazine, of all people, were saying, don't be too surprised if... Microsoft, you know, it's like throw some money around to ensure that there's graphical parity between yeah. the versions of the two consoles. Mm-hmm. But now, with the two biggest shooters of the year, we're seeing that even if they did offer a lot of money, it apparently wasn't enough for these developers to hamstring the PS4 version because yeah. it is measurably operating mm. at, you know, better specs than the Xbox One. And um, I've seen, you know, it's like this, this obviously isn't like a hard and fast number, but just casually looking through... You know, the big websites and the big gaming forums, there actually are a few hardcore gamers who are like, okay, I was waiting on the sidelines to see what was going to happen with these two games. Now that I know, I'm canceling my Xbox One pre-order and getting a PS4. Mm. And that's going, to be where, that's going to be where I play the majority of my third-party games because this proves to me third-party games are going to be better on the PS4. But you know what this tells me, generation. Wayne? Ne- neither of these consoles are equal to the PC. Yeah. And I mean, that's, like, that's well, kind okay. of what I was thinking. They, Neither of these consoles are equal to a maxed out PC that is running them on ultra settings. But even the resolutions they're running at, they're not. Because if you get, like, you know, um, a PC that you paid, like, you know, three or four hundred dollars well, no, for, okay, yes. that is actually going to perform. If you're wanting any one of yeah. our gaming PCs in yeah. this office, we yeah. could max it out and have no problem. Yeah, exactly. But that's the gaming PCs in this office. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. so it, it's still a pricier investment. If you want these games to run the best they but possibly let's look can. Way. Let's look at it this way. If you're looking at a console that will play most things, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's look at Titanfall. Yeah. If you want Titanfall to run its best, you're probably going to want the PC. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to get a PS4, and the Xbox 360 version is not going to be great. No. And the Xbox One version is going to be okay, but if you really want push this, push this thing to the max... Yeah. You're going to want the PS- yeah. PC. Uh, but if you want to play it on your television... And your then you buy right. a PC that hooks up with HDMI to your TV. But I can just get the one that's already So are, are you officially condemning both consoles and telling I'm, people that they should not buy either one? Well, I'm, what I'm saying is, if you read my article online, I put one on, online um, this week about this, is the fact that PC, if you are someone that loves the top-of-the-line things, yeah. if you want them day one, you want them a little cheaper... 
because usually PC games are cheaper than console games because yeah. there's less licensing fees. Like if, if you are a dedicated spec whore, then obviously PCs are the way yeah. to go. And, oh, yeah. and I also make this point in my article. If you were someone that likes the concept of playing games but also want to jump in and make your own things, the only, way you, the only system you're going to buy right now that's a built-in dev unit mm-hmm. is the PC. Yeah. And yeah, I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, the only problem with that is, you know, obviously if you're a fan of, like, the Halo series yeah. or if you're a fan of, like, you know, The Last Guardian, whenever yeah. that comes out, you're kind or of out of un- luck on or the Or Uncharted. Or, or Uncharted, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the consoles will still have their exclusives, but, you know, it's like, yeah, clearly, you know, it's like the PC is the way to go yeah. if all you care about is maximum performance. That's very true, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But if you don't care about maximum performance and, you know, it's like you want, like, you know, kind of like, you know, the best overall console. Yeah. Right now, it's kind of shaping up, at least with the evidence that yeah. we've got with these two games. It's PS4. You probably want to go with PS4. Yeah, that's, well, that's cool. good, because I was never going to get an Xbox anyway. You know, like $500 for an Xbox One, and the chunk of that extra 100 is because of the Kinect camera. But we have to say, uh, we have to say right now that we have not seen both these games running on either system. No, so we, we can only judge based on what... We have Although I, I think that if Jason Rubens of Activision yeah. says that you know, Call of Duty is 720p on you know, but let's be honest, Xbox One... And, let's be honest here, Wayne. Mm-hmm. Those are weird resolutions. Like 900p, you're not going to notice the difference between 700p and 900p. Yeah. I mean, for Battlefield 4. You just really won't notice much difference. For, okay, Call Call of Duty, Duty, it's it's going to be a bit different. And it's also going to make a big difference in the future as things get developed and, you know, games start challenging what the systems are capable of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, it's really hard. I have to say again, when the PS3 first launched, games looked bad. Yeah. So let's not let's not condemn that's standard in all exactly. That's my yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. that's my point. We don't know what these games are going to look like two, three years down the line. Who yeah. knows? Xbox DirectX and the Xbox might push it ahead. Mm-hmm. The power of the cloud. Yeah, yeah. and uh, PS3's uh, OpenGL platform might push it ahead. We don't mm-hmm. know yet. Yeah. So or, I mean, or if. 4K TVs become standard. Exactly. Perhaps there's something built into them that will accommodate that. And exactly. Completely different. Yeah. yeah. So right now we just don't know, and so we're kind of going on the fact that one might work, one might not work. And I still prefer PlayStation. Yeah, you're allowed to. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm just saying, right now we can, we can condemn based on these facts, but we really don't know what these consoles are going to be able to do. That's fair. Especially because. We've had very little hands-on time with both these consoles. Mm. We've played yeah. them, but... I've had none. Okay, so you I've have had, had none. <laughs> yeah. Of course, but, you know, yeah, yeah, but there, there is also the issue. It's like, you know, it's hard to argue specs. Oh, yeah. And on paper, the, you know, the PS4 is theoretically more powerful. But on paper... Now we've got two games yeah. which seem to be bearing this out so far, so... But on paper, paper the, the systems are almost neck and neck. If you really... Yes, it's a little bit more powerful, mm-hmm. but it's mainly a RAM thing. And, that yeah. can, and because they're doing such high high-grade RAM in both these systems. One's DDR3 and one's DDR5, right? DDR3 and GDDR5. Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah so. um, you're dealing with the fact that these are so high-end mm-hmm. that if you program it properly, you can circumvent the problems. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to wait, wait and see. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what happens with the 32 megabytes of ES RAM yeah. that the Xbox One has because right now that is the bottleneck for most programmers. Yeah. It's, it's like the cell was for yeah, the PS3. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's this weird exotic thing that's just kind of sitting on the side and it takes quite a bit more effort to fully utilize it. But once you can, and it does more. trying to get games out for launch, obviously they didn't have the time. To exactly, yeah. It, so mm-hmm. we don't know. Exactly. I always wait about a year for consoles usually because you don't really start to see the stuff that fully utilizes them until that point. Because, well, at launch, you're not going to be getting stuff that fully utilizes it because they're going to be rushed out to get it out at launch time Mm -hmm. and to sort of take advantage of that. Yeah, that's true. And then 
it, it usually takes a bit longer for them to get the fully realized stuff out. That's very true, yeah. But once you're going about a year in, I say, you usually end up seeing a good example of the general scope of what yeah, they can do. Yeah, I agree. And so, yeah. well, we'll see. We can see the console's coming out in like two, three weeks, so we'll soon see which is better. And we will have videos of said things as soon as they're out. Yep. yep. Can I mention a quick piece of news that of made me my head today? Ubisoft has pushed back the stick of truth. I don't Again? know. What, yeah, it got delayed. Yep. It got it's delayed. Been, it's been pushed back to March. Stick of what now? Stick of truth. The South Park. Game. The South Park RPG. Oh, oh yeah. yes. I delayed. I I oh, feel like Trey Parker and Matt Stone have as much to do with it as Ubisoft, though. Those guys are perfectionists. Maybe, but surprised. considering they just pushed back Watch Dogs as well. Yeah, good point. So. And I, when I saw the demo, they're like, it will be out in time for holidays. Like, he mm. kept drilling this into my head. See, this is, this is the part that really confuses me, is that, like, who are they competing with at Christmas? I don't know. They could have yeah. had, like, a South Park game all to themselves yeah. at Christmas and enjoyed those sales. I guess maybe what they're thinking about is, because I hear what you're saying, I think maybe what they're thinking about is that the South Park brand kind of sells itself, mm. and they will get big numbers. That's true, yeah. No matter Christmas. what it is. So perhaps, like, rather than rushing out a potentially shoddy product, mm-hmm. really like the just, game I'll be talking about yeah. later... Then it might be best to. Uh, so instead, yeah, let's just put it, it out when it's going up against Watch Dogs yeah, and potentially sense. cannibalize the sales of Watch Dogs yeah, instead. It doesn't make oh, sense yeah. to me. Yeah. It's a yeah. bit of a so coincidence <laughs> right there. Well, maybe they're hoping yeah. that it's that it's playing to two different yeah. audiences. Which I mean, might like, be. are there you know are there a team of Ubisoft executives there going to like, boy, I really hope that the stick of truth starts eating into our Watch Dog sales because mm. we don't want that to sell too many copies. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> it's like, is that what's going on at Ubisoft? I mean, said with a Quebec accent. Yeah. Of course, because mm-hmm. they're over in Montreal. Right, so. right. Could be. I just so thought then, that was horrible, so I had to mention it. That's, yeah. yeah, that's incredible. I was kind of looking forward to playing it over like the holidays. I, yeah. I thought it was going yeah. to be my that Christmas my game, game until too. I saw the news yeah. myself, and then I was bummed. Now that's I can't even think of what I'm going to play. Such a bummer. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to play it the day it comes out, but it's just a bummer. i got well, to Naturally. It looks uh, really polished. So it's going to be hilarious. They used the like South Park software yeah. to animate it. That's actually kind of awesome. Yeah. So shall we move on to the next yeah. news story? Sure. Uh, In the horror, worst transition ever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the Days of Future Past yeah, trailer? Yeah, Days of Future Past. Oh, yeah. So the there Days was no future... transition I could make yeah, there. Yeah, that's fine. Now, the Days of Future Past trailer came out, and uh, I saw it. You guys saw it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it, it was epic, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It was, it had a gravity to it. Mm-hmm. How, how it, many people here are familiar with the original storyline? I am, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And I also know the animated series okay. version as well. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, am, I am unaware of the animated series version. I only know it the is, original It is comic, what it is. So, okay. Well, yeah. It happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I, I don't know what happened in the animated series. I just remember the it, comic it book. It wasn't bad. It was pretty powerful was, stuff in the comic. It's weaker. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, because that comic was very kid. That cartoon rather was very kiddie. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. But um, no, I think it looks quite strong. I mean, Brian Singer said before the trailer came out that none of the effects were finished enough that they could put any, like, Sentinel stuff in or anything <laughs> like that. So it's pretty well just shots of actors looking emotional. But, yes, uh, a lot much. of emotional yeah, look. But I'm fine with that. I'm excited by the combination of the two casts. I really, really love. For, my favorite two X-Men movies were uh, First Class and X2. And mm. I, in a fantasy world, I like to imagine this being a combination between the two. And it seems like that's where they're going. I don't know. I think it. I mean, like, it's hard to judge because it is very much a teaser, not even a trailer. But it's very um, true. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's got a lot of potential. I like that Brian Singer's coming back. I think he did a good job. And uh, I don't know. Are you at all worried about Hal Berry? Halle Berry? Yeah. No, because I heard that she's been cut 
back to next okay. to nothing. Because um, I, I do, I do scheduling conflicts. Yeah, I do remember one hilarious comment after the trailers came out that I read, where yeah. they show that quick shot of Hal. Is it Hal or Hallie? Hallie. Hallie, Hallie. Berry. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's that quick shot of Halle Berry, you yeah. know, doing her storm thing, and then looking back anxiously at the camera. And mm. I just remember one person commenting on that: "Do you know what happens when you put Halle Berry in lightning?" Yeah, <laughs> which, which of course is a play on her horrible, yeah, horrible terrible, line terrible, terrible line from the first movie, one, so, yeah. which apparently Joss Whedon took credit for. Which really? Is sad. Yeah. He actually took credit for yeah, that. Yeah, he 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 Oh, it. okay. Well, you can't win them all, Joss. Yeah, what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah. yeah, but um, we all have off days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that. I mean, like, Halle Berry's role was played down even in X-Men 2. Like, I think everyone is well aware of her limitations, and I don't... I, hopefully she won't be in her much... There's a lot of characters to juggle. Yeah, I don't think anyone's yeah. going to be in it. Oh, yeah. Except for Wolverine. Like, Wolverine and yeah. Xavier and yeah. uh, and uh, Ma- Magneto, yeah. obviously. Gandalf, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He kind of... Gandalf the Magnet. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... I like that. Gandalf yeah, the Magnet. Yeah, that, yeah. Be, that should totally happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um... Yeah, so anyway, it happened, by the mm-hmm. way. Another kind of Halloween-y news, um, uh, Michael Doherty, who made Trick or Treat, which I know we're all big fans of here. I am indeed. Has announced that they're going to make Trick or Treat too, and he's nice. going to make it. So That's amazing. I'm very, very excited about that. When he, I know he's, uh, I actually got to interview him when that came out after being delayed five years, and he is a very personal project for him because he adores Halloween, and mm. he always hoped that it could be a yearly franchise of different Halloween I'm surprised stories, it wasn't. Which is what, like, um, Halloween was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. This, one, this one works so well because it was, it was almost anthology but not at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And they, an everything kind of tied together in this weird convoluted A lot of loop. anthologies do tie together, though. They what? do, but this one almost played like Magnolia or something. It did. Like, stories yeah. were intertwined. Mm-hmm. And it worked a lot better. And it wasn't shot that way. It was edited that way. Really? And it's amazing that it held together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, I feel like if they do another one, it'll probably be more traditional anthology because oh. I know he didn't really, he, he like found ways to make that work, but wasn't thrilled by the idea. Oh, okay. So, but you never know. At the same time, people do really like it. Um, so I think I, I just thought it. it was so interesting with that little uh, what was the kid's name? Sam. Sam. Yeah, Sam. And he amazing. just kind of like the uh, the only common thread was him, and then you just see like um, who was the um, teacher. Oh, um, I just know the actor's name, Dylan Barker. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of like just... Happiness guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just kind of all over the place. And yeah, it was, yeah. Weird. it was so weird. It was great. It was really, really good. But, um, yeah, no, what's exciting about it is, like, this is a movie that uh, he got to make with a studio, and then the studio saw it and freaked out because there were kids dying and kept it on a shelf That's for years. That's why liked it. Though. Yeah. They and, went back to killing kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, like, they barely released it. They tried to bury it, just yeah, put it on did. DVD, but... It's so good, and enough people found it that yep. now they're willing to make a sequel, and that's it's really exciting that we live in a time when there are ways for movies that die to death in theaters to yep. actually yep. get revived. So did it ever make it at any theaters? It played a couple festivals. Okay. Like I saw it at the Bloor here okay. for After Dark, back when I went to After Dark. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it was and it was great, and it was so much fun to see. And it, yeah, it plays really well in the theater. He shot it really well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. That's um, that's a Halloween franchise. I can get uh, Halloween well, thing, a horror franchise. I can the get thing behind. is, it was shot so well, it felt too good for just straight to DVD. Yeah, well, it was never supposed to. Yeah, be. exactly. It, it was supposed to be a marquee release. They just got nervous about it. It was really well done, really well shot. Yeah, really well acted. Great effect work. Mm-hmm. And was it, it was it all practical? It was a lot of CG. Pretty well all practical. Yeah, it yeah. looked and this makes a, a huge difference. There's a book I was reading recently about the like making. Yeah, it. there's a really nice book about the making of it for sure. And yeah, this yeah. looks it looks like it was a large passion project for him. He was yeah, yeah. A very personal project for him. He also did. He actually wrote uh, X Men Two and he really? wrote yeah yeah he wrote Superman Returns. Oh well. So he yeah he he hasn't really worked that much since uh, Trick or Treat because yeah. it's kind of a disastrous thing. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of. 
really nice, uh, happy ending for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, God willing, that'll be here in time for next Halloween. That's amazing. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Alex, I believe you had a piece of news for us. Uh, Steam has uh, recently... They've recently found that uh, it's got about 65 million people who make use of it. That's that a lot of people. Lot that is people. a very l- large amount of people. That's, that's actually supposed to be more than the number of people on Xbox Live. If yeah. We read, if we By read the same like information. Million yeah. More. So. And it's, that's a pretty big deal, I think. That's, that's well, important. That's an important number, and that shows how well, then, then again, so easy people to use, on, yeah, right? People on Steam don't have to subscribe monthly. Just no, exactly. exactly. They don't. Mm-hmm. They just it's buy you, games on exactly. it. Exactly. Anyone who has a PC can just get a game once a year if they want. Exactly. Is that easy. active accounts or just accounts made? I do not know. Because it could be like someone made like five accounts, and I want to know if that's taking part of the actual numbers. I don't know for uh, certain. Okay. Probably but safe to assume that that's the case. Okay. Probably. Like how but, PS Plus is yeah. or P- a PlayStation Network yeah. where everyone could have like seven accounts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to be pretty interesting when the Steam box comes out and we see. Yeah, I'm not kidding. A, a large pool of people who already have Steam accounts yeah, well, I, might be considering buying I think this. everyone at this table has a Steam account. Yeah. Nope. No, not me. Uh, other than Phil. Me either. Yeah. Really? Do. How do you not have a Steam account? I don't like play. I'm a I've always said I'm a console person. Uh, yeah, I, am I will too. buy a Steam box because I, I can, then I can use my console. Like, yeah, I am too. Like I agree with you that PCs are more powerful and stuff. I just I like uh, sit on my couch. Have yeah, exactly. Better. The yeah, controller. Me too. I can't uh, stand mouse keyboard things. Yeah, I'll I play anything. That, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I have a Steam account, but I do still prefer just okay. playing on a console. I, I love Steam myself. We're, we're all savages compared to like you know Brendan with the glorious my throne over here with my Halo. I got Alex too. He loves Steam. I, it just it just really easily suckers me in. Like it really yeah. easily plays to my weaknesses. So okay. I make use of it. I buy a bunch of games. I don't play all of them. Yeah, I, I have too many games on Steam. I think I was looking at them. I'm like, I'm like I was going to buy um, yeah. Amnesia uh, Machine for Pigs. I go in like, oh, I already own that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's bad when I don't remember what I own anymore. Yeah, it's not good. No, yeah. mm-hmm. I had that issue recently with uh, one game where I was like, I'm going to buy this game. I own this game. I don't remember buying this game. <laughs> and uh, that's always fun, though. And now they've got well, 65 million people yeah. there, so it's... Good on them. If they didn't have legitimacy before, they kind of got it now. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for news. We're going to take a short break and be right back with what you've been playing. Awesome. Cool. See you in a bit. playing and what Phil's been watching mm-hmm. and as you can hear that ghostly noise in the background of machinery is gone There's thank no god ghost in the machine mm-hmm. ghost in the machine the, the ghost is gone ghost the ghost they vanished all right all right Phil what you been watching all right so this week is uh, the Ender's Game movie how was it so it was pretty good it's not uh, it's not spectacular okay did um, you read the original novel I haven't read the original novel okay um, but I've talked with people uh, I met with a bunch of critics afterwards who were fans of it um, and to, just to discuss that element how good of an adaptation it was um, I, yeah I considered reading it but I felt at the same time there's a certain value in going in fresh not knowing what it is and seeing what that reaction is too so mm-hmm. Anyways, um, from what I've gathered from people I know who are obsessed with the novel and plot summaries and so forth, it's fairly close. Obviously, it's been very trimmed down. Um, of course, well, they, they, movie. That's they made the kids older. Yeah. And, like, you can immediately see that in the trailer. Is these are older kids than Yeah, they're teenagers, the yeah. for sure. Um, but, um, the, the, I mean, the key thing is, is that, again, without giving too much away, the central twist to it is intact. And uh, 
it really, it really, it really, really kind of blew my mind. Was it powerful? Um, it, it was. Did it, it make it, you swallow? It did. It's, okay. an inc- it's an incredibly powerful moment, and also, and particularly in a mainstream, massive tentpole movie like this, to be able to have a moment like that that suddenly makes the film much more complex than just a Harry Potter meets Star Wars type situation mm-hmm. is impressive. And is, so they, is that what you thought it was going into it? Harry Potter meets Star Wars? That's what the is trailers look like. Okay. I think that's why they made it. No. <laughs> so they can say oh, that. Oh, man, that's depressing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that so, really is. Yeah, yeah. so, um, so yeah, so I, I, yeah, it's fairly, yeah, it's, it's well done. Like I said, it's a, it sticks to that story. It's very powerful, very emotional. The acting's quite strong. Um, main actor whose name suddenly escapes me is the kid from Hugo. He's a great young actor. Um, also, the uh, girl from uh, True Grit plays um, his sort of, Semi love interest without actually being a love interest. Oh, Petra is yeah, that who we're Petra, talking about? Okay. Yeah, it's Petra, mm-hmm. and uh, she's great as well. Uh, Harrison Ford and Viola Davis play the sort of like surrogate father mother uh, mm-hmm. teacher figures, and they both really work well because they're cast the type. So Harrison Ford can growl and snarl, and it feels entirely appropriate. Okay, um, I'd say the ma- the only real problem with it is that. Um, the person they got to direct it is Gavin Hood, who um, unfortunately made the uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, which was terrible. <laughs> oh. But aside from that, he's done really, really strong work. Okay. Um, he's sort of made, uh, I believe he's from South Africa. Oh, okay. Um, and he's made some really interesting sort of thrillers and art films. And uh, so he tells the story really well, works really well with actors. The trouble is that he... Um, doesn't really give it a particularly distinct visual style, nor are the action scenes um, as thrilling as they could. Okay, or so have not, been. not a great action choreographer then. That, no, I mean, like he still had like over a hundred million dollars to play with, mm-hmm. so a lot of stuff happens, and it looks expensive and slick, but mm-hmm. it's not as exciting as it should have been. And I do feel it, it's a very good movie. It could have been a great movie, like obviously the book okay. is um, a great piece of work. Um, and then of course there's the controversy with the author that you just kind of have to look over um, unfortunately and they've gone out of their way to downplay his connection and it's probably it's not even really present in Ender's Game the book yeah a lot of his opinions no I mean like Ender's Game predates all the controversy around his so it's like you know liking Roman Polanski movies and ignoring the rape yeah yeah so um, so anyway yeah I'd say it's a strong it's a strong flick not a classic but uh Definitely, were. I'd be interested to hear um, your opinions of it, uh, being fans of it. I, uh, once it, once I totally want to, to watch it. this movie. Yeah. I actually want to see it just to see if the one element in the books that I thought was really silly is going to be held intact. Which, which element is that that you're it. talking uh, about? The, was it Damascus or whatever? The, the two the two people on the internet basically trying oh, to... Oh, okay, the, 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 the brother-sister. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're gone. Yeah, they're not part of it. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's it's good. It's very streamlined. It's basically just... One, one no, because thing. that's yeah. one element of the books that it, it's just, I mean, it's strangely prophetic, but it's also extremely silly, knowing what we know of the internet But yeah, they, they, yeah. they took out the sibling stuff. Yeah, they took so, the, I mean, yeah. there, there was just no playtime for that in a movie. Yeah, okay. they took a lot of that stuff. All right, so, so yeah, decent, we're taking a look at. So what, what, what did you think then of, like, you know, the actual training stuff with Dragon Team and, like, you know, Shooting that was interesting. The, you know, was all the going. all the simulator room stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, it was fun. Okay. Um, like I thought, yeah, there's some really clever ideas all the way through it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like like I, I, I had positive feelings toward it until the ending, and then I really had strong feelings towards it. Um, oh, like strong good feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. A really strong feeling because it is. It, yeah, it's a great story. Okay. Again, like I can't really describe yeah. why, but yeah. um, is this the kind of thing where it's like you know you think the average twelve year old that maybe doesn't read science fiction when they go and watch this movie it will blow their mind? I mean, I think so. Okay. I think yeah, I think it'll impress a lot of kids simply because it. it 
yeah, like it, it's it's not what you'd expect, yeah. and it's impressive. So it's like you know it. the Hunger Games in space. Yeah, yeah very much like there. the Hunger, so. Hunger Games in space. Yeah. So. Um, Except that it predates the Hunger Games. You know, it just, does. just so that you yeah. kids I know, still, yeah, I, this is not a Hunger Games ripoff. I rip still off. do yeah. not like Orson Scott Card as a person. Okay. Yeah. I think he's a kind of a bad person. But he's, he's, he's a good he writer. Is. He got dumb. He's a good writer. Beyond Ender's Game, so I don't know, but not heard good things of stuff beyond Ender's Game. Well, his later stuff is very preachy. Yeah. It's very. Gay people are horrible. Look at these yeah. Satanistic people that are gay. Mm. They are bad. And none of that exists in Ender's Game. No, it no. doesn't. It no. does not. No, so no. none of that exists in Ender's Game. Maybe he game. got more crazy after Ender's Game. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important to note that Ender's Game doesn't have this... this um, doesn't more... The later books in the series, I think, do somewhat. Well, I'm talking about the original. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. no I mean, it's like the, the, the later books get political, but yeah. even they don't get... As bad as some of his other stuff. No, I mean, they just get political. They don't get controversial. I've only read the original, so... Okay. So anyway, yeah, check that out. I mean, I think the only thing that's weird about it is I'm surprised they're bringing it out now um, for two reasons. Number one, it was really light August this year, and I feel like if it had come out there, it probably could have been a bit of a sleeper hit. And then number two... Uh, Thor comes out next week. Yeah, it's going to bury it. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just mm. guaranteed going to happen. And Plus, got... Jackass and Gravity are already there, yeah. eating up some of that. Uh, the and you'll have your review of Thor well. next week. Yep, seen it tomorrow morning. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so that's, that that, that's that for this week. So no Halloween drinking for you tonight because you'll be hungover to see Thor. I'm just going to eat a lot. Of candy. Just candy. Yeah, hungover. So it'll be candy, candy hungover. Candy yeah. and yeah. Sugar low. Yeah. Okay, should we go over the games then? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, Phil and I quickly wanted to talk about yes. Nintendo. Yes, we went to Since it. Phil is our Nintendo nerd, he might as well talk about it. Yep, uh, yeah, we went to the Nintendo event where they showed off all the uh, sort of upcoming holiday titles. Um, I saw some really great stuff. The Sonic game in particular, what was it called? Lost World? Yeah, thank yeah. you. I still just cannot get my brain around the idea of a Sonic game on a Nintendo machine. That just In 3D. I yeah. suck at Sonic like, in 3D, you know, It's apparently. like the, the 90s fanboy in me with, yeah. like, you know, Genesis versus Super Nintendo just yeah. still cannot I agree with you, but, this, like, but... It, it, when he showed up in Smash Brothers, mm-hmm. that kind of weirded me out. Yeah. I've come to terms with it now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I still have. But anyway, so. it, it, it was amazing. It's, um, I mean, again, I've only played a few short levels, so we'll see how it holds up as an entire game, but... Um, it is. It has the sort of uh, Mario Galaxy 3D design yeah. slash weird uh, gravity system, but oh, okay. done at Sonic speed. That's weird. Um, oh, okay. So it was. It was a lot of fun. I know, Mel, you had a hard time just keeping up with it. I was like, I'm used to side-scrolling 2D yeah. Sonic. What the hell is this? Yeah, it was the most fun of the 3D Sonic games I've ever played. I really? tried. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, unleashed. a lot of them are not. I think it was. That's the yeah. werewolf one. Yeah. 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 Oh. I tried. I just had to walk away. I was like, this, yeah, this is horrible. It had its terms, but so. it was tough, and the plot was just disgustingly terrible. Um, so anyway, so that looked quite promising. Also, there were new levels of uh, the new Mario title. Mm-hmm. Um, and previously, I hadn't been super impressed by it because it just felt like uh, it's Mario. other Mario games. But they actually had some really clever ideas in this mm-hmm. one. There was a, a cherry you could get where it would double your character, so you'd be in charge of two Marios instead of one. So you get up to, was it six or 16? Yeah, he said the most he's seen, I think, is six. Yeah, six. They had six characters going at once. So that was really cool. Um, so a really fun boss fight. Yeah, it just looked like. I mean, it's still Mario. Obviously, they don't. They don't. Uh, they're not remaking. The they're not tinkering with that. it too much. It's, no, it's but there's some creative games there. Yeah, so yeah. I'm really excited to try that all the way through. And what else was there, Mel? We uh, the, you did some snowboarding as Doctor. Oh uh, yeah, I did do some snowboarding. Yeah, they had the uh, Nintendo Winter Olympics, which I don't normally care for, but it had some really cool touch controls. Uh, doing snowboarding where it was balancing, holding the controller, and then you'd flip it by flipping it on the screen yeah. and. 
yeah, there were some really creative ideas there that felt like they could do a really good skateboarding, snowboarding game yeah. outside of that franchise that I'm not We'll see, I guess. Of, but we'll see what happens. There's also a Wii U Fit, which we didn't get to try because the kids were hogging it. That's true. The kids were all over that. And Oh, and Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight looked like a lot oh, of fun. Oh, Shovel Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just classic 8-bit uh, two-button insanity. And mm-hmm. I had, I, yeah, it was hard for me to be teared away from that. That was so. a fun game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. From what I've seen of it, it's great. Yeah. It's hard, though. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what you want out of an 8-bit that, game. That exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, I, overall, I was really impressed by the lineup of stuff. They didn't have any more Donkey Kong, which no. I enjoyed last time. And which I'm is sure weird. There will be more of it. Yeah, it might be getting delayed or who knows. No, it's coming out next year, though. It is? Yeah. Oh, so they were just trying to focus on yeah. more. Yeah. So, that makes, so anyway, yeah, it looked like, um, as a Nintendo person, looked like some fun games coming up. Still nothing that boggles the mind and makes you feel like you have to buy a Wii U immediately. But at least if you have one, there's some stuff to look at. actually stuff, to. no. Yeah, and fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you were playing Arkham Origins. Yeah, we played Arkham Origins. From beautiful light Nintendo to dark, dark yes, Batman. Yes, to dark Batman. So, yeah, okay, so here's the deal with Arkham Origins is that... Um, Don't ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. I will it, kill you. I won't. It, so it's... It, I mean, it is a continuation of the series. Rock City isn't involved, and this is the first time... And unlike Arkham City, which felt like an evolution of Arkham Asylum, uh, this is very much just... Uh, reworking of Arkham City. Um, That's both good and bad. Good in that it is the game that you love, and there's some really fun stuff with it. I mean, Paul Dini didn't write the story, so the story's not quite as strong, but it is still a clever little idea with the different assassins coming Mm -hmm. after Batman, and um, the voice cast they got to to, uh, replace... People like Kevin Conroy uh, did strong enough impressions I didn't even really notice. There were some fun tweaks that I thought worked really well in particular. Uh, just like simple stuff like more dynamic camera angles. Mm, okay. uh, the boss battles were great. Um, they found a really good balance between sort of quick time events and the general brawling that made them feel more distinct from the regular action. Which oh, probably cool. had, One of the few problems I had with the other Arkham games before was just that, yeah, there wasn't the boss battles were kind of lackluster. So they did a really good job setting that up. Pro and then and then there are a bunch of problems, um, just inherent to the type of production it was. It's really buggy. There are a lot of frame rate drops. There was one bit where I accidentally went the wrong way and got stuck inside the Gotham Police Department and had to restart my entire game. <laughs> you actually got stuck. I did. Batman stuck inside stuck the stuck police and department. I, and I looked it up, and it's a common problem a lot of people are having. Hopefully, a patch will fix it. But it's. Uh, that was that was really frustrating because, like I said, I had to start all over again, and I don't care for that too much. Um, the other weird problem with it is because it was des- using the Arkham City engine, you have access to full Gotham City. You can fly through it, but there are no citizens whatsoever except for thugs. You That's up. weird. It is weird. It made sense in Arkham City because it was supposed to be this quarantined prison area, but this one is just supposed to be at Gotham at night, and apparently no one goes out at Gotham at night. Um, sure, why not? So that was really distracting. The map's also, like, just too big to get around as Batman. You can use the Batwing without controlling it to jump from point to point, but, like, in an open-world game, if you feel like you have to use... If, you do, if you're not enjoying going around the open-world in an open-world game, something's wrong. So, I mean... So, yeah, I would say with it that um, it's definitely f- it's definitely fun. If you like the previous games, as long as you aren't expecting it to be better than them it's, okay. it's certainly worth the, it's certainly I had a good time with it but it's not like what Arkham City was to Arkham Asylum that's honestly too bad it is too bad but I'm certain that that's because this was Warner Brothers games they're making it for a holiday release Rocksteady have not yeah. abandoned Batman I'm assuming they're working on something big well, that's fair this, yeah. this was not Rocksteady so. no 
no, I but they had all, but they, and they also have not said that they mm-hmm. are getting rid of the franchise. So I feel as though there's somewhere someone's putting work into the Batman game that we want. Fair enough. And this is just to tie us over. And as far as that goes, I had a good time. I think cool. you, I mean, I think you guys will too. Nice. Yeah. Just don't when you when you do the police station, don't go back down the elevator shaft. Now I want to. <laughs> don't. But you said I don't want. I, I can. I want. I mean, to. if you feel like just wandering around the empty police station, maybe I do. Then okay, then do it. But yeah, do not go down the elevator shaft. You'll, you'll know what it is when you get there, and don't do it. Oh, fun. Yeah. Why don't you go next, Wayne? Okay. Um, we can talk about it now because embargoes have lifted. Yes, right? you, you can so, talk about it now. So okay, yeah, it's like uh, Assassin's Creed Four. I played it. I reviewed it. I was mm. just barely okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's too bad. Are you just tired of the franchise, or this is the lack of the, it's, the it's, um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. it, it is an annual franchise, so mm-hmm. that franchise fatigue is starting to set in. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, just for me, I really felt that the old established Assassin's Creed mechanics mm-hmm. really didn't gel well with all the new pirate stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like I kept playing the game and kind of like, you know, enjoying sailing ships and, you know, it's like raiding other ships and digging for treasure and all that, and then mm-hmm. I would resent the fact that in order to advance the story... I had to go back to, like, you know, the same old, same old with the assassin stuff. Oh, joy. Um, the part that really, really disappointed me about that was um, you can tell that this was an annual franchise and they just had to bang this out as quickly as possible because mm. the structure for the assassinations is always the same right. over and over and over again. So, so it really didn't help that I was playing this for review purposes, so I did a lot of the assassinations back-to-back. So oh. I would just jump in there and it would be like, okay, so I just did this like 20 minutes ago. You are having me just run around in rooftops or skulk in bushes, just following a guy, listening to a conversation for like five or ten minutes. Mm. And then you finally get to the end of this pointless exercise of trailing these guys. And then it says, okay, now either kill the guy or we'll start the mission where you have to assassinate them. And the AI for like you know all of the sentries and guards is like really wildly unpredictable. Oh, fun! For the, um, oh, that's never good. For the um, yeah surveillance shadowing portion, so there will be parts where I would be like, okay, I just ran across an open field and somehow nobody saw me, and I don't understand why I just got away with it. And there would be other parts where I would like lurk in the bushes and kind of poke my head out, and instantly five guards would see me, <laughs> and I would fail it, and I would have to start the surveillance portion mm. all over again. And, uh, yeah, that, would, that was just really, really irritating because mm. of the fact that every assassination had this portion. Yeah. And every time I went into that portion, it was just as unpredictable as it was the last time. That's annoying, too, because pir- piracy has such a, has a really good uh, twist that it could have done on that yeah. with dueling people on ships <laughs> or, like, having the, the swashbuckling combat. Yeah. The, swash- the swashbuckling combat, and that would have actually been a lot better. Yeah. See, and, and every once in a while, they would bring that into the main story, but it was few and far between. You know, it's like usually when they got back to the main story, it was like, let's go off to a port. You, now you're in the city. Now we're back to the same old Assassin's Creed. Because, you know, again, I assume that that was just easier for them because that template has been in place for years now. So, you know, it's like it's kind of hard to screw up. Uh, like my, my biggest regret really was that this reminded me in a lot of ways of... Um, Sid Meier's 1987 game, Pirates. Oh, yeah, yeah. With an exclamation mark, and I was just like, this is how awesome this game would be if somebody came to Sid Meier and said, here's a metric ton of money, make yeah. Pirates again. And You, know, you already actually, made Pirates again. Yeah, yeah it was, was on great. Xbox. Yeah. Original yeah, Xbox, I believe. And it PC. was great. Yeah, and it's, and it's on Steam as well, you know. But, I mean, it's like, you know, this is what happens if you give Pirates, like, a triple-A budget. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and just access to, like, you know, just ridiculous 
art teams and you know, it's like and there are no words know. for how much I want that yeah but yeah, no because, because like you know there are moments and I mentioned this in the review there are moments where you know you're just sailing along and the sun is setting and your crew is singing a sea shanty I was going to ask you if you while like clambering up the ropes and like you know bringing down sails and all there, there are just these moments where it's like wow I'm the captain of a pirate ship this is really really cool and then they take that away from you by saying, now you've arrived at your destination, so it's time to skulk in the bushes again. Oh, that's a little yeah. weird. So, but you're a pirate captain. Yeah, you know, like, like I said, you know, it's like I really feel that this game would have benefited from just being like Black Flag mm. as opposed to Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag because the pirate stuff is, you know, it's like so much stronger, but all of it is optional. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't really have to do a whole lot of pirate stuff if you don't want to. That's and so most people, because they just want to follow the plot of the game, are going to think that it's largely the same old, same old Assassin's Creed because the, the bulk pirates. of the story missions the pirates are, are just that. Yeah. And so no, the storyline, is it less convoluted or more convoluted? No, the storyline gets completely ridiculous. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. I would, that was another thing that I was disappointed with was that, you know, I was like, okay, so... Am I spoiling anything by talking about Assassin's Creed 3 and its plot? I don't think so at this okay. point. So, you know, it's like, so basically, you know, it's like if, you know... Spoiler alert. Yeah, they, spoiler alert. You know, it's like they basically laid to rest a lot of issues with Assassin's Creed 3, including killing off, you know, it's like the main character in the modern day setting. So, you know, it's like that story is all supposed to be over and done with. I really thought to myself, Ubisoft's got a chance to like, you know, have a nice fresh break and get away from all of the ludicrous first civilization Templar conspiracy stuff which was, which was just getting more and more incredulous with each subsequent game but they carried it on with Assassin's Creed 4 which means that it could only get even more in you know even less credible and even more incredulous than it was before uh, I, I don't want to give away too much but um you guys here have heard how much I railed at um, Indigo Prophecy yeah. Yeah. and the whole an old woman is the internet yep. kind of thing. As the ninjas. And we get, we get another crazy internet moment like that in this game, which Hold just... No. I, I put down the controller at that point and just kind of sighed at the TV screen and went, oh, come on. But they, <laughs> oh. they did it. They went there with, like, someone is the internet, and I was just... <laughs> so, no, don't do these so, yeah, things. So, yeah, oh, that happened. It got crazy. And what's really, really weird is that, so for the modern-day stuff, in order to justify it, you're not playing Desmond Miles, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, captured by the Abstergo Corporation. You now play kind of a weird cross between, like, um, a game designer and a game tester at Abstergo Entertainment. <laughs> so now you are working for a fictional um, software company, which just so happens to be based, I believe, in either Montreal or Paris, because a lot of people are bilingual. Yes, I noticed English that, English yes. and French. Yeah, and um, so when you're doing the modern-day stuff, you're, like, you know, hacking through, like, you know, these various developer files where they start talking about marketing concerns and, you know, it's like how there are things like, you know, this may be too sexy, maybe we should tone this down. And, and so you get this weird meta-commentary thing where Ubisoft is going, ha-ha, you know, it's like, look at us, you know, it's like we are above it all and we are pointing out the foibles of the games industry, but you look at all of the concerns that they make and it's like, but you guys still live and die by these concerns and you've made these same decisions within your Assassin's Creed and another Ubisoft game. So how can you be criticizing the thing which you yourself are actually doing anyway? Which this sounds really ineffectively meta. Yeah. Which, also, yeah. how do they... Is Abstergo Entertainment part of Abstergo Industries? Yes, the, it is. Okay, okay. It is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so you know, like, you know, the the... Obviously, as you get further and further into the modern day setting, you begin to realize that Abstergo Entertainment is like, hey, these guys are doing more than just making video games, aren't they? Weird. Yeah. 
really so it, weird. it just goes off into this very strange meta place where I, I can see that they were trying to be self-aware and trying to be very clever about yeah. it, but instead it kind of just fell flat and made me roll my eyes. So you know, may, maybe it's because you know, it's like I'm you know, a game journalist and I'm a bit jaded, so yeah. that, that stuff did not strike me as like, wow, this is really cool and incisive and postmodern. It was really more like... I can see what you guys were trying, but I don't think that you actually succeeded, and therefore this isn't having the intended impact on That's me. too bad, honestly. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like if, if you guys play the game, I don't know, maybe you'll have a different reaction to the clever developer commentary within where they start talking about how the games industry shouldn't be making these marketing-based decisions. I'm just more interested in pirates. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to yeah. play them. No, I'm not, no, no. no it, I, if I want to play pirates, I'll play pirates. Yeah. See, but, I mean, it's like, you know, fundamentally the game is not broken. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, all the stuff works. You know, it's like the Assassin's Creed stuff works just as well as it ever did. Mm-hmm. The only problem is, is that I've already done it in five other games. Well, that's yeah. too bad. So, yeah. That's you know, sort of how I yeah. felt about Ar- Arkham Origins. Yeah. It was, it was it, perfectly fine on its own. It's just yeah. there are these other ones yeah. that are and, so yeah. Much yeah, exactly. And, and then there was the whole issue with, like, you know, on, on the PS3, it's like it's, it's pushed the PS3 as far as it'll go. It chugs. And it doesn't always hold up. Yeah, there, mm-hmm. there are bugs in the game. Like, I would raid... Uh, a convoy ship and my fellow pirates would be swinging on over and I'd be sitting there like you know watching one particular pirate just kind of like floating in midair <laughs> waving his arms around not quite sure whether to like you know land or not so he just stayed floating in midair for you know the rest of the pirate fight. It's a glitch in the animus it's part of the game. Yeah, yeah you, you can always justify it that way yeah. So so yeah it's that's, weird. that's that's my impression of Assassin's Creed. It's like it's not broken but it's it's not broken mechanically. I'd say that it's terribly broken narratively, though. Fair and enough. It's very, very fragmented. The pirate stuff is great. The assassin stuff is old. But they're trying to, like, shoehorn them both mm. in together, and I don't think that it gelled. Mm-hmm. Too so, bad. Yeah. Yeah, this pirate stuff sounds so secondary. It makes me, makes me wonder if they yeah. developed a pirate But the pirate then, stuff is great. And it's then, a lot of fun. And then yeah. gave up on it yeah. and just turned into an assassin. I mean, you, you can hunt whales. Yeah. You know, oh, as, nice. as, as controversial as it is, you can hunt whales in the game. Nice. And Peter that's that. actually fun, even though you know it's wrong. It's actually fun to hunt whales. Good times. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, better yeah. than actually hunting whales. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, my yeah. they probably just, yeah, they, they probably just threw that in there for the Japanese audience or something. Anyway, oh. So. oh, that was controversial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very controversial. <laughs> um, anyway, who wants to go next? Alex, yeah. tell us about Lego. Yeah, I'm. Pl- I've been playing pretty much just Lego Marvel superheroes, and it's the first Lego ge- Lego uh, game I played actually, and I really quite enjoyed it. I told him yeah, he needs to play. It's quite play fun. Like there, there was dialogue in this game, right? There was yeah, a speaking. lot of dialogue in this yeah. game. Yeah. It's. I'm not entirely sure what to make of the humor. It's a very sort of silver agey, off the wall, bizarre humor. Yeah. Like it obviously doesn't take that's itself in, seriously. That's inherent to the Lego games. That's yeah, in it what is, the yeah. DC uh, yeah. Yeah. mashup games. Like. No, and it works really well with Marvel because of how off the wall Marvel mm-hmm. actually is. Although I have to say that. Having Stan Lee in every single mission as someone you rescue. That's weird. You know, Stan Lee's very presence in the game is somewhat weird because he's so big on self-promotion. Does does he ever say Excelsior at yes. any point? Yes, sure. okay. he says Excelsior every time. Okay, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that's a Stan Lee appearance. Without every time Excelsior. I like that, though. You hear Excelsior every mission. Stan Lee's like the contemporary Walt Disney. Yeah. He's going to be dead soon, so he looks yeah, like a man while we he's can. He's getting yeah. pretty old. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it's got. Uh, they do a pretty interesting job of blending movie versions and comic versions of characters and kind of making fun of that, mm-hmm. and throwing in a lot of referential humor that the adults are going to get. Like, there's a Pulp Fiction reference. Yeah. What I find so weird Nick about this Fury. game is it's published by Warner Brothers. Yeah, 
That's weird. That, that is, is really strange. Because they own... Uh, I know. Lego. But I'm sure Disney's getting it. Oh, yeah. Slice the pie. It's just so weird. That. Yeah, it is. No, no but... Uh, and I hear there's like a pretty well every Marvel character in it. Like, you can even be with like Elektra and Daredevil. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've unlocked Elektra. Black Cat's in it. Nice. Uh, well, it's like every Squirrel Lego Girl game. is in it, as I've mentioned oh, several go. times, oh, and annoyed you today. Is yeah, like, you do love Squirrel Girl. I do love Squirrel mm-hmm. Girl. Mm-hmm. But every Lego game's like that. They'll give you everybody. You can unlock anyone who ever appeared in any comic no, ever. All, the thing is, is that they're all interestingly done because some some of the mechanics repeat. Like mm-hmm. the big guys all kind of operate similarly. The, yeah, uh, sure the thing and the Hulk. Are the Hulk, the same, they, yeah. they operate the same. Um, there's slightly different moves, like move animations for them. Uh, some people have fire moves, some people have that, and the different mechanics sort of play, and you have to interact with them. Mm-hmm. But they got all these little things with too, like Venom, mm-hmm. for example. The, the default state of him is a Spider-Man-esque version that has the tendrils, kind of like Carnage on him, mm-hmm. and he swings around. But if you hold down the button to switch characters, he splits himself in half and turns into the giant muscular Venom. And oh, becomes, cool. And becomes like the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. And Todd McFarlane Venom. Yes, and yeah. you combine that. You have that. And you can play as that, and you can switch him back by doing the same thing. And several different characters have little things like that mm-hmm. that they do. Like Mystique can turn into just a normal per- like a normal looking Lego yeah. person. Are all the X-Men there? Um... I mean, not like the extended universe, but oh, the probably well, there's it's a Jean Grey. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Phoenix, the Phoenix, is in there somewhere. Oh, nice. There's uh, I haven't unlocked it yet. Yeah. There's uh, Wolverine, obviously. Yeah. Cyclops, Iceman, Beast. Beast. Sounds like, yeah, it sounds like pretty well. They, the they go with the Vinnie Jones Juggernaut. Oh, that's too bad. I like but the Vinnie Jones Juggernaut. Doesn't look like Vinnie Jones though. No, he looks like the standard Juggernaut, but he has the I Vinnie like... Jones Cockney accent. Oh, okay, that's fine. I can deal with that. I actually like the Vinnie Jones version. I think yeah. he's funny, but. Uh, no, it's it's actually f- very well done. They pick they pick the right choices whenever they're choosing comic versus movie. Mm-hmm. They tend to mix it up pretty well. Are the missions repetitive, or do they get uh, the, the bosses sometimes are have very similar mechanics and uh, stra- mm-hmm. strategies. Uh, the missions can be somewhat repetitive, but I never noticed it to be a problem. Cool. Is and Galactus in it? Yes. Nice. Galactus is in fact in the opening and features in the game at some point. Nice. Uh, the way they do him is not serious at all. I would assume Is it not, like yeah. classic comic book Galactus with the massive horns on the helmet? Yes. Kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, okay, oh, perfect. They're, 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 sticking, perfect. They're, they're sticking true to you the You can actually get him as a playable sure. character. No spoilers okay. on how you nice. get that. But you right. can get him as playable. He's not as big, but yeah. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, it's just, yeah. No, but you can... There's a lot of really campy stuff that works really well, and there's a lot of very strange humor in there that ranges yeah. from sophomoric to... Frankly, kind of bizarre. Yeah, it sounds like Lego. Now, it, and it's a New York open world. There's no Manhattan. Else that you go. It's all Manhattan based. It's all Manhattan. Cool. Uh, open world. Open world's okay. Uh, yeah. There's some cool stuff. I had a Sentinel attack me at one point. Nice. Which, Weird, but cool. Mm-hmm. The Sentinel boss boss fight was fun. I bet it's short, but it's it's kind of an interesting fight in terms of how it goes. Cool. Uh, there's all these other things that are referenced to it. There's all a bunch of characters that you I can't they uh, just come out of nowhere. They're like, wow, these are actually in there. Nice. And they do uh, a lot of stuff. They do a lot of cool stuff and kind of poke fun at every single character in a interesting way. But why not? I yeah. liked it. I liked it, and I thought it was interesting. And the review should be up at some point. Nice. Yeah, yeah. it sounds great. That's what I, I. I always thought Marvel seemed like an ideal uh, match for like a both tonally and in terms of the size of the universe. So no, it good to know it works. It works out really well. Cool. Uh, All right. Um, I might have to get off. The in a second, okay. so 
Mel will talk. Yes. Alright, what have you been playing now? Well, the world goes on. I was going to say, if you enjoyed Lego Marvel, you should check out Lego yes. PC. Like, it's uh, yeah. Batman 2. Batman 2 was like yeah, a good. Yep, throw, uh, throw a copy uh, my way. And I'll, I'll, I'll lend you my copy because I cannot find the office copies. It's fine by me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we always play through the Lego games to like the utmost. We're like, let's platinum this. And then we just end up doing everything mm-hmm. in yeah. Lego games. They're a really good time. From Star Wars right up until now. I've really enjoyed it. I haven't tried uh, the Lego uh, Lord of the Rings because yeah, well, mm. then maybe not. Anyway, I've been playing uh, Wii U Party. Oh, how's that been? Surprisingly good. Yeah. <laughs> the Mario Party games are always pretty fun. But it's not a, it's not oh, it's just a Mario Party. Party. Oh. It's a Wii U Party. So what Party. sort of games are there? Well, it just it feels exactly like Mario Party almost. Yeah. Except mm-hmm. without all the little things like the gumball machine kind right. of thing. But then again, I don't know if you guys played the last Mario Party, but they nerfed it really badly. Uh, yeah, I did play it. I thought it was okay. Really? Yeah. You want everybody to move together in a little car? I don't care. That's like half fun a game is not moving together. How are you going to collect stars when you just move to you? No. Well, okay, you know what, Phil? This is yeah. going to be a, com- a debate right. later in okay. the evening. Okay. Okay. The problem is is that whenever you have everybody move, it takes forever. But It's a board game, though. It's just We found that everybody moving together is just not nearly okay. as fun. Like, half the fun for us was like when they put stars on the board and you try and get your way to that star before the other person. And, you know, okay, like, okay, fair stuff. enough. But anyway, but this one is, is um, there's three modes. One was like featured around the gamepad. One is a board game kind of thing. Like, you run down a highway that's 300 spaces, mm. and it doesn't take that long, even though it sounds like that long. Mm-hmm. And it's generally pretty simple, but all the mini-games are actually pretty exciting. They're very, very, very reminiscent of Mario Party. Yeah. Just a little They use the controller in any interesting ways? No. Okay. Anything you've seen before in a party game is what this is. Okay. We didn't play uh, a lot of the three-on-ones, which have a gamepad. <coughs> right. We just did a lot of the most, the basic ones with just the Wiimote. Oh, so you didn't even really use the gamepad? Not much, no. Because okay. uh, the gamepad, you left it dead. Yeah, I like it. You uh, you returned it without charging it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You have a plug for that. You can charge yeah, it Yeah, yeah. We're like, we're like, oh, it's dead. Oh, blame Phil. <laughs> I normally plug it in while I'm playing it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's okay. It's just there's nothing spectacular, like there's nothing innovative about it. Yeah. Any party game like WarioWare or anything you've yeah. played before, you've seen it before, mm-hmm. it's better than the last Mario Party and it's better than the Raving Rabbids board game. Ah, okay. So if you like party games and you like board games, it's probably pretty good for you. If you like any of those like party games. Cool. And the thing is you can play all the mini games without having to unlock them first, which is kind of nice. Oh, that's wicked. Because some of that's those awesome. other ones you have to unlock. That's irritating. Right. Yeah, yeah, so we just went free mode and just nice. did that. All right, that sounds pretty fun then. Yeah, yeah. actually, surpri- I, was, I was happily surprised. I thought it was going to be awful, and it wasn't. Sounds Good. like a party. Good. All right, I guess Ren- Brendan's not going to... Uh, no, I guess not. No, he's going to be Brendan silent. has been kidnapped by a ghost. Mm-hmm. It is Halloween. So uh, when he returns, well, that will be next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until now, what... There's Wayne, an interview, isn't there? Yes, yeah, I was going to say, Wayne, would yeah. you like to introduce... We, we can, or Alex can do it. Since or Alex. Yeah. Alex yeah. and Wayne. Yeah. I, I played the game, so... Yeah. All right, yeah, uh, We, at today, actually did an interview with the people who brought us Electronic Superjoy, a game I played and uh, referred refer to as a rave without the hearing damage and ecstasy use. It was a rather interesting interview, and we have most of that here yep. with us. We had a little bit of an issue with the audio where we lost a little bit at the end, but here's what we, yeah. here's what we got. Yeah, here, here's the remainder of it. So. There, there are some pretty interesting people, and they talk about their reasoning behind making the game. Their sadistic cool. game design. Sadistic game design, yeah. yes. So. All right, so stay tuned for that, and then after, we'll say goodbye. Yep. Why don't we just say goodbye now?
Fine. It, if not, it's going to end up weird. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See you in a bit. She's still. So anyway, okay. So here we are. Um, this is like the special on location CGM podcast, and we are here with. Could you guys give your names, please? Uh, hi, I'm Michael Todd. Uh, I'm the game designer on Electronic Superjoy. And I'm Cassie Chu. I'm the level designer, and I do a little bit of pixel art for Electronic Superjoy. Yep. Okay. And so we're here to talk about uh, Electronic Superjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm Wayne Santos, one of the editors over at CGM, and this is. Alexander Leach, the mountain man. Yeah, the mountain man, because you know you guys can't actually see it, but you know there's a startling resemblance to Grizzly Adams. If anybody remembers their eighties <laughs> TV shows, so he rides the bear down from the mountain every week to participate in these podcasts. So, so yeah. So anyway, yeah. Okay, so we're talking about Electronic Superjoy. You guys are, um, you know, yet another in like you know a long line of impressive Toronto indie developers mm-hmm. that just keep like cropping up all over the place. So um, let's let's get the ball rolling. It's like you know. So, how did you guys actually you know like join the roster of other Toronto you know indie developers? What's your story? So for me, I've been doing indie games for about ten years now, um, and I remember the Toronto scene when it was back in uh, so back in the old days when there was like. 10 or 12 of us. Okay, so, so what uh, are we talking when we say old days? Like way uh, back to like the ancient six, 2005, 2006? Yeah, okay. six or seven years ago, like the early Toe Jams, oh, okay. uh, when there was one game jam once a year and that was it. Okay. So, so basically the paleo- Paleolithic era of yeah. Toronto development mm-hmm. scene. Okay. Um, and I don't know, I've just been here quietly as the whole scene grew. And uh, I normally work on solo stuff, but uh, about a year ago last... Uh, October, I decided to hire Cassie, and the team has been growing ever since. And so now we're actually a studio. We make hopefully more games better and faster. Okay, so then what was the decision? Because you just said, you know, it's like you were primarily solo stuff. So what made you decide you it was time to assemble a team? Um, so initially, I was trying to finish Electronic Superjoy. So Electronic Superjoy was initially a much smaller experience game that was going to be sold for cheaper, and mm-hmm. it was going to be just less levels pretty much the same concept just smaller um and it was going to be out for last christmas and uh so it was going to be like a three-month development time and so i brought cassie in because i needed uh just more hands to make mm-hmm. more levels um and then in november last year i decided wow this is actually turning out really well because you know you make a bunch of games and every once in a while one of them kind of just really just clicks it's you know gold as you make it um and so i was like all right let's let's push it back let's do it for next year let's make this a big project and so here we are about a year later um with it having been a big project it actually came out slightly earlier than anticipated it came out in august um just because that was when the game was done um we're currently at about 50 levels and we're working on our on the fourth boss so it's about eight to ten hours of gameplay uh, which is a lot larger than it was originally going to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot larger (laughs) Like, <laughs> we're aiming for like 15 minutes of gameplay originally. Yeah. So it's ongoing, like there's more levels coming. Totally. We're uh, currently planning a massive Christmas update to coincide with the Steam Christmas sales. Ooh. So we're definitely, we're still, that was the conversation uh, we were having when you came in actually. Uh, we're definitely having one boss. We're going to make the boss for the hardcore world, um, which is the, the World 4 in Electronic Superjoy, which you can only get if you've unlocked all the stars. Yeah. And 
it's just it currently has four levels that are just the most stupid insane like took it taken out of the uh the actual level roster because they were just so brokenly hard <laughs> and then put into the hardcore world Oh yeah. Um, Given my experience with the other levels, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> no, I, ha- I haven't gotten all the stars yet, so. Yeah, the the drop off point we 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 see the stats of the people playing it on Steam. The drop off point to the hardcore world is about a thousand people. It's just like, <laughs> shook, these people didn't make it. Um, and we're actually so um, it was my idea, but Cassie's okay with it. We're making Cassie the boss of the hardcore world because she makes the hardest, stupidest levels and is famous <laughs> for it. So I'm currently designing a brain in a jar that will be Cassie that shoots missiles at you. I'm very excited to wow. uh, write all the dialogue. <laughs> oh, you're actually getting to write yeah. the dialogue. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so the likes of the po- the likes of the Pope and then Cassie. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's your that's game pretty- universe hierarchy. Is that? Cassie outranks the Pope. <laughs> is, that, is this what we're saying? Well, if we're saying that, Godzilla outranks the Pope. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay. All right, fair. That's, that's fair. Though. And I mean, that's not even the end of it. No. But. no. It's just the bosses are very... I don't know, I get bored fairly easily, so it's kind of like the, the bosses are really eclectic in a... You know, who would you actually really want to fight? The other boss I was thinking of was Envy, who's the, the musician. Yeah. Um, because, you know that boss fight would be so musical it would be ridiculous I actually want to bring up a point on that is that the game is very heavily tied to the music yes entire levels are tied to the beat of the music and how the music is structured and what uh, what made you choose Envy I haven't heard of the musician beyond this but what made you choose uh, their brand of music so Envy is uh, a single indie electronic musician uh, in I think New Hampshire uh, I've been using his music for about five years uh, and it's been out and online uh, most of it he's been building it over the five, last five or six years he's very just puts it up on his site it's totally available now it's very rough it's very like here this is 30 seconds that builds up and doesn't end it just cuts off mm-hmm. or this doesn't loop or this is like you know horribly static here whatever most of it's good but it's very much his look this is just what I'm working on this is you know you get what you get because it's free it's my website right Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been using his music in small games for five or six years and for this one um, the the initial concept was to take six or seven of his levels and like design levels around them so whereas most musical games the, the, the gameplay affects the music so when you're playing rock band and you get it wrong it affects the music um, in this case, the idea wasn't to affect the music at all, but to have the music affect the game. So we listened to the music, which was pre-existing, when we designed the level. And we designed the level based on, all right, at about two minutes, it feels like this should be happening. And so we make that happen. And there's a bunch of ways we tie it in. Some levels are um, on a timed track to match the music exactly. Others just have reactive events that happen when that part of the music loops past. Um, others use various combinations. We have about 16 or 17 different, like, scripts and methods to interlock the music with the game at this point um, but basically I just for this project I said hey can I have access to your entire library and just use it in my game and since we've been working together before he said yes and he's really generous mm-hmm. and thus Electronic Superjoy was born the, the amazing part about this game was that we started day one with five years worth of music to pick and choose from to build things from to listen to so the game was able to like grow in in the pre-existing musical space. 
So, like, uh, was your collaboration with uh, this guy, it was just like a random internet thing where you ran across his music and then got in touch with him and the ball just got rolling from there, or was there... Yeah. Um, oh, really? Okay. Five um, years ago, I was making some game, and I, I had been doing some slower types of musical games, and um, I actually built a game with Craig Adams, who did Sword and Sorcery, right. okay. um, at a Toe Jam a couple of years back, and he was the one who introduced me to the concept we made this game which he picked a piece of music for which we weren't allowed to use it was just some major band's piece mm -hmm. of music or something because it's a jam game and we built the gameplay around the music and then he went off and made Sword and Sorcery and I went off and made Electronic Super Joy several years later and uh, like that has that one toe jam really uh, that Toronto game jam seriously influenced my game design ability um, yeah I, no I just found Envy online and uh, worked with him on and off for five years I've never met him in person um, oh, wow. crazy. He gets okay. a right. percentage of uh, electronic super joy, and we get to use his music, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Now you hey. mentioned before that you you said you were bored easily, and uh, the the one thing I noticed about the gameplay is that it tends to alter the rules on you uh, at various points. It usually informs you of this, but it will alter like what you can do, how your mm -hmm. mechanics work. And I, I think it's an interesting mechanic. I want to know what made, what made you consider adding it this way. So, um, basically, there's, there's, there's like half a dozen places in the game where you fight a monster or face a challenge that's never used anywhere else in the game. So, like, that's defying traditional game logic. Traditional game logic is, here's a challenge, mm -hmm. here's a different challenge, here's the two challenges combined, here's the first one used in a different way. Like... By the end of Mario, you know the rules of all the monsters really, really well. And they've used every possible, they've, they've wrung out every tiny bit of juice from them. Whereas, it doesn't take me that long to build new monsters and challenges in Unity. So we have something like 50 or 60 different little things that you can put in a level at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, Cassie can talk more there. because She's the one who actually, most of the time, takes the insane things I built and <laughs> combines them in various evil ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really ascribe to that I, I want to have more stuff, more chaotic stuff going on. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I get bored of games as a game designer because I'll be at about level three and I'll know how the next ten levels are going to go because they've introduced their three red, blue, and green monsters and I can just see the next ten levels in my head where they're, you know, slowly combining them in the various different ways and I'm, I'm bored, I'm, I'm out. So mm -hmm. this game does not at all have that problem. Yeah. I will say, though, that uh, of all those levels, only one caused me an extreme amount of rage at the, at the change of rules. Uh, it involved a certain flipping of the level. Oh, that one. That, yeah. I made that one. That's Everyone. the 90-degree flip one. That yeah. was actually kind of <laughs> hilarious. Um, I kind of wish I'd put a, a recorder on during that to just the level of decibel <laughs> profanity that I leveled at my screen was um, interesting. I think that's the common consensus with that level specifically is that everyone was like, really? Freaking really? Um, my favorite part of that one is at the end. So there's, there's a whole bunch of interesting things that happen throughout the level, but there's also, it's short and there's no checkpoints. So mm -hmm. it's just hard and you have to, you know, memorize how to do each part. And at the very end, there's a very simple ice jump where you need to get a bit of speed and run up and then hit the portal. Yeah. And it's very simple. 
but several people on streams, like live streams, there was this one guy, this German guy who had like 5,000 people watching live and he finally got to the end and he fucks up the ice jump. <laughs> and that happens mostly because the portal should be here to naturally flow and I put it about an inch closer <laughs> just so that it's actually quite frequent that someone screws up this very basic, very easy jump. And, you're, uh, you're a horrible person. Yeah, that, that's my favorite. I mean, I'm a horrible part. person, but you're a horrible person. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's variety. It's a game that uh, mocks you. It's, yes. It could be very easily just... In, in the actual dialogue, actually. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Quite yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, uh, it's almost an antagonist in its own right. Now, you oh. said you design, you've designed a lot of the more... Yeah. The more... Uh, sadistic. Ex- sadistic. Is, <laughs> yeah. Let's call it sadistic. sadistic. I, I like that word. Let's go with that one. Yeah. So, um, Don in our office here uh, had this conversation with me. He's like, you know, you're such a you're such a good person, and then you build levels, and what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to channel my like inner evil somehow. I need to get it out of me, so I do it through my level design. I'm just like, what can I do to torture my players just a little bit, just just a little bit, but it, you know, not enough that that. They, they, they're going to rage quit on me. I want mm-hmm. them to, you know, feel challenged and like, you know, they, they want to defeat this level. They want to, they want to destroy this level. Okay, so you, you ascribe to the masochistic demon Just souls school of game oh, design. Oh, yeah I, yeah. I, I love yeah. games that are way too hard for me. I love them. I hope you guys enjoyed that, and we are going to be out. Yes, make sure you visit us at cgmagonline.com for all our fantastic content, including Alex's review of Electronic Superjoy, which, you know, hearing you describe it, I kind of want to play it. It's pretty fun, and there's videos every day. Like, yeah. Literally every day. Literally so, every really? day. Really? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so... And all of Phil's wonderful movie reviews and Wayne's wonderful reviews, and lots and lots of other content, including... One of our new series, Lunch Breakers, which has been going for a few weeks now. But check it out. Two guys chat on their lunch break about video games. Also, this week is the new These Warriors Are a Terrible podcast. I believe it's D&D Live. Yeah, it's this one, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, yep. just, they just went old school D&D. Yeah. That's it, just classic. Yeah. yeah. Which, which D&D? Like a and d or the you basic have to, expert? You, have to to it. you know what, Wayne? you got to log on to find out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's part one this week, so get on the super drama on the ground floor this week. Make sure you check that out and everything else. Also, check us out on Facebook.com slash Comics Gaming Magazine, Google Plus, Twitter at CGM Plus, and Blip TV now have features. Blip.tv, yeah. Yeah. For lunch breakers. Lunch breakers. So hear them chat about that. Sounds good. Also, YouTube and we're everywhere. We're everywhere, yeah. We're in a lot of places. We're seeping in to the world, to the internet that is one person. Sounds good. That sounds really dirty. That does sound messed up. Anyway, from all of us here, have a great weekend. Bye. So long. 